Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. This space was created to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, comedians, doctor, lawyer, wrestlers, Reiki masters, and entrepreneurs as young as 13. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as that magic spark, how we show up in our life, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be, do, or have. So I believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Dr. Kevin Lenton. He has been in private practice in the southern suburbs of Cape Town, South Africa, for more than 37 years. While his core interest revolves around the diagnosis, treatment, and management of neuromuscular skeletal conditions, his continual search to deepen his understanding of wellness has led him into the study and practice of functional medicine. Dr. Kevin, welcome to the space. Well, hello. Hello, hello. How are you? I am fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> I am so happy you're here. This is going to be a wonderful conversation. Well, thank you so much. And I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you so much for the invite to join you. I must say I'm very relieved that it's connected. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> these technical challenges often um, give me more stress than anything else in my entire life. <laughs> It affects the whole neuromuscular system, right? <laughs> Doesn't it just? And the rest. <laughs> it does. So you did it. You're here. Uh, I read the tiniest bit about you. So could you just tell us in whatever you want to share before we do a deeper dive uh, into the conversation? Tell us a little bit more about who you are, please. Thank you, Hollis. And once again, thank you so much for this opportunity. I love talking about what I do. And I love sharing the information that I've gleaned over the past 38 years that I've been in, um, in practice. I'm actually what I like to refer to as an integrated chiropractor. That means that I integrate more than just the neuromusculoskeletal uh, treatments, diagnosis and management into my practice. And that all really came about um, many years ago where I had started in practice and believed that chiropractic uh, managing the neuromusculoskeletal system would provide everyone that came into my office with the relief uh, that they were looking for, that they desired. You know, um, Traditionally, chiropractic is um, a, a pain modulating profession. We, most of our patients come in complaining of backache or neck pain, uh, some kind of joint dysfunction in some way. 
Um, however, what I found was that a number of patients were coming in not with things that you would think a chiropractor should normally see or deal with. Um, there were things like perhaps fatigue or just feeling as though they weren't firing on all cylinders. And I, I love to use the term, my get up and go has got up and gone. You know, they just weren't completely relaxed. They weren't sleeping well. They had um, gastrointestinal issues and they wondered whether chiropractic might in fact assist them. And in some cases, you know, it actually did. Um, sometimes even to my surprise, believe it or not, because it wasn't a typical chiropractic case. Yeah. However, there were many patients that didn't respond to just the chiropractic adjustment, the chiropractic treatment. And so I started to kind of broaden my horizons to figure out what else is going on um, in the body. You know, our chiropractic training is very broad. We do a lot of um, the theory of how the body works on the inside, not just the nerves, muscles and bones, but how all the different systems work because we we are very fortunate to be considered primary healthcare physicians, certainly in this country, in South Africa, which is where I am. Uh, and I do believe in many of the states in the United States as well, which means you don't have to be referred to a chiropractor. We are uh, blessed with the uh, registration that allows us to make a differential diagnosis, meaning that some patients uh, are not um, ideally suited to chiropractic treatment. And so we can make that diagnosis and refer them. So I started broadening my kind of my horizons, my scope to try and understand what else was going on in the body of these patients that were presenting with these things that uh, didn't necessarily fit a chiropractic paradigm. And that's when I came across the discipline of functional medicine. And functional medicine uh, is more about understanding the internal mechanisms of how our body works on the inside things that you and i normally wouldn't think about you know we don't think about oh stomach digest now turn this piece of protein or steak into amino acids and send it over here to do this or that and so we don't really connect those dots we just expect all of these systems to work efficiently and effectively and that essentially is what keeps us healthy you know what, Dr. Kevin, I'm going to stop you right there for a minute because I want to introduce another question and then we'll do a deep dive and continue from this point. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So we got a really good opening about you. Now let's kind of go into, I'm going to quickly do a, would you rather, and then we'll go into the other question and then we'll do a deeper dive. I made a mark to say exactly where we left off because it's such important information that you're sharing. So my would you rather question for you today is, would you rather be trapped in a room with a friendly tiger or with 10 bumblebees? Oh, you're putting me under pressure here now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I think I'd rather be, be trapped with a, a friendly tiger. If he's friendly, then I'm sure using my skills of communication I could uh, get him onto my side and we could probably end up being the best of buddies bumblebees are not my my favorite uh, insect so I think I'd rather um, pass on the bumblebee story and go to the friendly tiger <laughs> that's what I felt too and then I thought are they really friendly 
<laughs> they are like wow. our cats, just a lot bigger. But as long as it truly is a friendly tiger, then I'm all for that. I agree. I'm, I'm taking your word for it. <laughs> I agree. Okay, so the first official, official question is, how do you define creativity? This is such an interesting thing, you know, because when I thought about this um, this meeting and our interview and I thought about creativity and it made me think that, you know, everything I've been doing for the last, well, probably actually my whole life, my whole more uh, mature life, shall I say, has been built around creativity. And so I'd never thought about it in that way, really. But um, I had this very limited view that creativity was just um, making something, creating something, uh, you know, um, being creative, being an artist or being someone that did craft work and uh, was very talented with that. Yet when I sat down with myself and really thought about it a little bit more, I realized that for me, creativity is a process. It's a process that allows us, or rather it should be a process that allows us to be the very best version of ourselves. So there, there are many um, approaches that one can use to define creativity. Of course, there's the standard definition that you would read in the dictionary. But for me, it was a process where I constantly refer my patients to the idea that life is a journey. Uh, it's not a destination. You don't arrive and everything is absolutely perfect. You know, we have those times when everything is in, in flux. Uh, there's good times and bad times and ugly times and there's toing and froing and we need to have certain skills that enable us to negotiate and navigate and deal with those turbulent times and this for me was is what creativity is it's that ability to find the techniques and the tools to manage life more effectively that's that's where so when you were kind of talking through it finding the techniques finding the techniques to handle life more effectively yeah that's beautiful um because it is a journey and like i i appreciate you saying it's the toing and the froing and the and the life is in process are we always happy <laughs> there's there's we can be uncomfortable lots of things that go along with it um but it really is in the, in the process. And this is why we're having these conversations because it goes beyond, my tagline goes beyond a pencil and a paintbrush. Giving people complete credit for all of that. Believe me, I went to art school, art teacher, all this kind of stuff. But it's in the expansion of this for people to feel more empowered, to feel more connection, to, and then feel more happiness. Absolutely. And, you, you know, the, the interesting thing is that it's different for everyone. I talk often in my work about biochemical individuality. We're, we're all different beings, even though when we look at, you know, two people in, uh, in the mirror, although we look differently on the inside, for the most part, we all are pretty much the same. We've got a heart and we've got lungs and we've got a digestive system and we've got genetics. However, each one of those systems and those uh, components are completely individualistic. And this is exactly the same with the whole creativity story of how to manage life. It depends on many different things, on your upbringing. And in fact, what's quite interesting and what not many people really realize is that 
from the very moment of conception, there's obviously the download of genetic information. But during that time, once that has actually occurred, which is an instantaneous process once the egg and the sperm meet, but during that entire gestation process while you're in the womb, you are receiving information from your mother's world. Whatever's going on in her world is being downloaded into the baby. And that is a process that then can drive behavior patterns forever and ever afterwards. And of course, once you're born, we start accumulating just massive amounts of information that gets downloaded both also into our genetic systems, but also into the frontal cortex of the brain. And that's where we live. Most of our lives are from our programming and how we've been programmed to, to manage and deal with life. Mm. So here, I mean, as you were saying, which is a whole other conversation, I want to get back to what you were saying kind of before, but I do need to touch on, and I want to ask you in what you just shared with being in, in your, in, in the womb and sharing, you know, getting downloads from what your mom has and all that kind of stuff. So there's ancestral stuff that's also going on because the whole, the whole passing down from you get what your mom got, your mom got what your grandmom got and so on and so yeah. on. So it all gets passed down, right? Yes, absolutely. It's in your, whatever is in your genetic timeline, which can go back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years is programmed into you in a, perhaps in a more dilute version, if I can use that non-medical term, but uh, it's in there. So you have the predisposition for whatever has been in that genetic timeline. And often it skips a generation or two generations. And then suddenly what was in there from maybe decades and decades and decades before seems to manifest. Uh, and it's, uh, this is also part of the whole creativity story. It's understanding and finding out, getting the information that empowers an individual to make the right choices and go down the correct creativity path. Because not every path is suitable for every individual. And the more information you have about your body and the more time you spend in introspection with yourself, uh, where you can start to critically analyze your thoughts and your behavior patterns and realize that you are the architect of your destiny, you and I and everybody else. Uh, this you know, process of blaming everybody else, being the victim, uh, feeling that poor me, you know, everybody's against me, the world, is against me, uh, often we are in some way responsible for that. And we, we have the potential to change that behavior pattern. But it does require um, a significant amount of um, creativity, actually, where you have to think out of the box oftentimes. And sometimes you need um, someone to reflect back to you, a, a mentor or a coach or a role model or a therapist of some kind that can point these things out to you because often they are so deeply ingrained into the system that it's the proverbial, you can't see the wood for the trees. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. You need someone who is going to be kind to you and not rip you to shreds um, to be able to um, tell you to be a, a guide or give feedback, tell you what they see. 
um, I, again, I said I wanted to go back to where we stopped, which was about you with uh, chiropractic and internal mechanisms, but I kind of actually want to revisit a little further back because in your journey to get to this point of where you are, you were always interested in healthcare, weren't you, even when you were a kid? Yes. In fact, it goes back to um, the age of eight years old, where a, a dear friend of mine died um, as a result of going into a diabetic coma. He was a type 1 diabetic, uh, the genetic type of diabetes. And this is now many years ago, well over 60 years ago, probably. Um, and uh, he went into a diabetic coma and passed away. And I can remember right very clearly at that stage saying to my dad that I wanted to be someone that could help um, people like my friend. Uh, and that created a flame in me, not just a spark even, because I, I became obsessed with medicine. I, I wanted to always put the Band-Aid on. I enjoyed being in a hospital environment, watching what was going on and um, listening to different medical shows and programs and all that kind of stuff. Um, however, sort of, it was in about 1972, actually, that I came across a chiropractor um, who was actually a family relation. Um, and he pointed out to me the difference between wellness and sickness. And I hadn't really quite honestly made that distinction going back all those years. It wasn't such a big thing. Uh, mind, body, um, you know, the understanding of the mind-body connection was, was nowhere near what it is today. However, that also then sparked an interest in me. And, and I thought, you know, it just makes much more sense to try and keep people healthy and prevent disease rather than just treat the problem once it was there and try and suppress it uh, for as long as one could and then treat it again if it reared its ugly head. And that's when I became really interested in the concept of chiropractic and the philosophy of chiropractic, which is a... a much more of a, a wellness preventative type of uh, philosophy. So while chiropractic is a, uh, a science, uh, there's certainly some art linked to it in it's a hands-on profession. There is also the underlying philosophy that says the body is a self-healing organism. We produce all of our own antibiotics, uh, anti-inflammatories, antidepressants, we produce everything that we need to function optimally. That is, of course, provided there's no interference in those processes. And the interference, of course, can come from stress. It can come from diet. It can come from exposure to chemicals. It can come from a whole range of different things. However, when you empower people with the knowledge of how they can control their innate ability to heal themselves, it's almost like um, an aha moment, you know. Oh, you mean that if I don't do this or eat that or follow this path, I'm actually empowering my cells on the inside of my body to do what they do best, best and that's function optimally. And I love that idea. And so... Um, How empowering. I have to say, like, to actually empower, to, to actually think that you can help your body feel better. Oh Absolutely. Gosh. You are the architect of all of that, not only your destiny, but certainly your physiology as well. So while one has no control over chronological aging, we certainly have a significant amount of control over 
physiological and cognitive aging. So that physiological is how your body works on the inside and cognitive is how your brain functions, you know. Um, and sadly today, and I say this um, with the greatest of respect to my medical colleagues, medicine knows nothing about health. Medicine knows a great deal about sickness and illness and heart attacks and broken bones and treating, you know, massive infections and all those kind of things. But medicine knows nothing about health. And sadly, that's why we see in today's world, in the 21st century, which you would think is a complete anathema, we're getting sicker. The world is getting sicker. You know, all the big diseases, heart disease and cancer and um, Alzheimer's and diabetes and obesity, they're, they're all on the increase. And for me, that is just such a, a sad thing because those chronic degenerative diseases, and that's what they refer to as, are all controllable, if not preventable. Right. And right. so, right state yeah, of um, what I like to refer to as creative health and creative longevity you can actually make a significant difference to the way you, uh, you know, you feel, how you act, how your brain works, uh, how you interact with your, your colleagues, your friends, your family, all of that you can be in control of. Mm. Mm. Gosh, it, it just, because we think we're so kind of trained to think and yes, in regular medicine and again, respecting people who, who um, the doctors and the nurses and everybody, but we are trained to think that we really don't have control of our bodies and things happen to us. And like you said in the beginning, there's so much repression that happens because it's kind of repressing what's really going on, not getting at the actual core of things. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, it's such an interesting paradigm shift. And fortunately, um, today, there does seem to be a shift there. There's lots of um, investment to the concept of um, healthy aging. And that's really what we want to do. We can't prevent the aging process, but we can certainly prevent the way the cells deteriorate. And each cell in your body should be able to live till at least 120 years of age and probably even way beyond. Uh, so it has the ability to, to live for all of that time. But obviously, one doesn't want to live in a state of infirmity and illness and be taking pills and have tubes and, you know, all of those things that, unfortunately, as we get a bit older, often that is the case. It should be a case of being healthy, 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 healthy. And suddenly, over a short period of time, once your body clock has said, you know, that's, that's the, my time, I'm, I'm done here. Uh, then it's a, quite a, a quick process. Mm, mm. So let's kind of go back and revisit um, a little bit more about, so where we, where I had kind of cut you off before was you were talking about chiropractic. You were talking about how you were starting getting into this. You had patients coming to you for these kind of alternative things that they were feeling, um, fatigue and all of that kind of stuff, which wasn't regular chiropractic stuff. So if you could talk to us a little bit more about how you kind of grew, how you incorporated more tools, more, however you want to expand on that to be able to help people, um, you know, better their lives. Yeah, thank you. So 
yes, the chiropractic part I had. And for me, that um, the chiropractic revolved around the physical body and the neuromusculoskeletal system and other components of that. For example, one's fat to lean ratio is very important, a physical consideration towards being healthier. The more muscle you have, the more lean muscle you have, and I'm not suggesting that people become bodybuilders or anything like that, but the more muscle tone that's there versus a higher fat weight, adipose density, the healthier one is. So the physical body uh, was a big component, and that's what I was pretty much doing with the chiropractic and that side of it. And then, as I mentioned, more interested in functional medicine, how the body was working on the inside. And there are a number of systems that need to function optimally in order for your body to work properly. Your elimination system, for example. Um, these to go to the, the loo maybe or the bathroom, uh, the toilet. We call it a loo here in South Africa. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term. Uh, to go to the bathroom, you know, twice a Wait, you know what, Dr. Kevin, I apologize. You're kind of but going that means in your and elimination out. Doctor, you're, you're going in and out. I don't know if you're staying in one place okay. or if you're moving around. Um, no, I'm just sitting here. So we have got some bad weather at the moment. There's quite a bit of rain outside. Maybe that's interfering with the reception. I'm not sure. Okay, it might. I'm just, yeah, just when you go back and listen, um, it's going to be, it's a little broken up. So we're hearing, it was good in the beginning and now it's gotten a little choppier. So anyway, continue. Okay, so um, I had the physical side sort of under my belt. That was the chiropractic side. And then the functional medicine side was about understanding more of the internal processes, the systems that keep us alive. Your ability to eliminate toxic waste products is very important. Your ability to transform the food that you eat into the parts and little um, uh, constituent units that your body can use. So for example, a piece of meat is no good to you in that form. It has to be broken down into its constituent parts which are called amino acids. Uh, carbohydrates have to be broken down into glucose. That's called biotransformation, transforming those foods into things that your body can actually use. Uh, and we have to be able to absorb all of those things. And there's um, systems around your immune system and your um, inflammatory system. All of these processes became very integral to understanding why people weren't feeling well. And functional medicine provided me with the tools and techniques and understanding of how to influence those systems. So that was a second component that was another aha moment for me and how just by changing individuals' diets, by removing certain things that they were um, taking in uh, and by supplementing with the right kind of targeted supplementation, those systems were enhanced and they just it just became amazing. The improvement in people's um, well-being was just... However, interestingly, there was a third component that I found I was missing, and that took me back to my initial training, even prior to my chiropractic, was when uh, I left school. I, uh, another, I digress a little bit. I was going to become a psychologist, so I studied psychology. I have a degree in psychology. 
not as a practicing clinical psychologist, but just um, a major in psychology. And that then became the third component of my integrated practice, was understanding how the psycho-emotional system impacted both on the physical system and on the biochemical system and, and these other systems that I've described to you. And so it became this integrated practice of the physical, the biochemical, and the psycho-emotional. And it then opened up an entire vista of ways to help patients manage their lives more creatively, actually, using interventions that challenged them, that made them uh, develop their own innate ability to uh, enjoy life and be the very best version of themselves. Mm. What you're saying in this, yes, this is all a creative process. And I'm sure that as you grew and as you expanded, because you're paying attention and you're problem solving, and you're playing with things and you're like, oh, here's this component. Here's this component. And then it's that flame that gets you so because you're so passionate about it. It's like, oh, this will help this. And this will this will help somebody become more, you know, more well-rounded and be able to be. Uh, their own person and feel good and feel more vibrant and all of this. And as you're working with people, you're really listening and observing and problem solving to see what they need. Absolutely. And it's, it's such a beautiful opportunity to be able to do that. And that's why I'm, I'm very, I feel very blessed to say that in all of those 38 years, I've never once not wanted to go to work. Mm. It's been just the most wonderful journey and, it's such a privilege to be able to assist people, help people, guide people. And of course, with now the, the added benefit of experience, um, I've become quite intuitive to the different presentations of things. You know, you, you just do. I'm sure you're well aware that you can read people um, so much better as one gets a little bit older because you've got that much more experience that's that much more understanding of the intricacies of how we how we put together, you know, at a, at a cellular level, uh, so that one can promote um, and optimize the function of these cells on the inside, so that the outcome is beneficial. I mean, the my clients and patients don't need to know how all these systems work, and they don't need to become, you know, medical doctors. They just need to know that. I need to do X, Y, and Z, stop eating that, take this, do this little bit of exercise, make sure I sleep a little bit better, uh, and I give them the tools to do that and, and recommendations and suggestions, and they feel better. And so that's that's the bottom line, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you for saying that. It's so funny. It's, it's when giving people the bottom line, people get, it's overwhelming. Yeah. So especially if I'll say, if you're not feeling well, if you're not sleeping well, which makes you not feel good emotionally and physically and all these things, when something is off, when something's going on, you're, you're kind of in a panic, you're in a space that doesn't feel the best. So yeah. when you go to somebody who they are the expert in this space, if they're explaining things in detail telling you the scientific background of all this you're like oh my gosh just tell me how i can feel better <laughs> like yeah. just give me the information and then kind of maybe once my system has calmed down and i'm in that better space then you can talk to me about this other stuff but if i'm in a state of panic if i'm in a state of fatigue if i'm in a space of these kind of things 
I'm not open to hearing all of that other stuff. I just want to know what's going to help. Yeah. And you know, what else is quite, um, was enlightening to me is that different people learn in different ways. And this yeah. comes down now also to the, the intuitive part of it. Some people are verbal. They, they like to hear and they just, they, they keep asking, yeah, but how does that work? And why is that? And, and so you have to, you have to go deeper and deeper, mm. you know, to help them understand. And some people are, are more um, visual. They like to see. So I draw pictures, you know, so, oh, is that how that works? I, I can see. And so reading the, the individual is another part of the creative process, the healing process and uh, creating that rapport with the, whether it's a therapist or a chiropractor or a doctor or whoever it is, medical doctor, uh, that key to creating that rapport is so important because that is what really stimulates the healing process and is often the, the missing link in true healing. Mm. Thank you for saying that. And I think people also want to be heard. So, um, and what you're talking about is being that person where, you know, here you have this experience. And even if you're just starting out, it, it's listening to people and then you taking your expertise and being intuitive and kind of, you know, test seeing what's going on. But when you, when people are in a calmer space, if, if you come into a space and if you were like, well, this is what you need and this is what I see and that's it, we'll meet you next week. Yeah. People be like, what just happened? Like yeah. that just, yeah. did you even hear me say anything? Um, yeah. It's not necessarily letting them go on for two hours about why they're feeling sick, but you know, you know the deal and anybody who's listening to this understands that there's a balance. Oh, absolutely. And that's a critical component to meeting your, your client or your patient on the level that they're at at that time. You, uh, and, and if it takes an extra visit or two or three to get to the bottom line, just because they want to, to talk and share and, you know, feel heard, that's part of our job is to acknowledge that and understand that and give them that space where they can do that to create the, that sense of, uh, of security for them, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we're going to move into the second question and hear a little bit more about you, Dr. Kevin, ah. which is how do you incorporate more creativity for you into your own life? Well, that's again, a question that I hadn't really thought about very often. Um, and when I did, I realized that I have two components to what I believe now that I think about it. Uh, as creativity. One is for my own personal self, um, my ongoing process of creating uh, a state within me that I can be the very best version of myself. So I am constantly reading, uh, watching things, listening to podcasts, learning from role models and other successful people along the way so that I can internalize and realize, oh, maybe if I do some of these things, if they fit with what I, I feel resonates, um, I can be, become a better version of myself. I can learn more. I can then serve other people more. So I'm on a constant journey to upskill myself, if you like, um, not only in my technical ability, that's the second part, but in my personal, my my personal development. Uh, I'm blessed to have been on this path for, for many, many years. And so um, 
it's become easier for me to understand how to manage the turbulent times. Uh, I just refuse to allow many of the things that would perhaps stress some people to allow them to stress me because I realize that, um, you know, next week, next month or whenever, this will not be troubling me the way that it is right at this very minute. And so the more creative I become in managing my own life, my own personal things, and that um, has required me to do a lot of introspection. Yeah, I think too often we, we are so bombarded these days, and maybe not only these days, but I think it's been going on for decades and decades with information and recommendations and do this, do that. And of course, today with social media and all the things that we bombarded with, the choices that we have, the um, information overload, uh, the instant gratification that we you know, seek all the time, it detracts from our ability to, to look inward uh, and listen to our thoughts and listen to the part that we are playing in our own play, our own drama that we, we portray every single day. So I, I work in my own little way, very hard at uh, trying not to overreact to situations, trying to, to be objective, uh, but at the same time embracing my subjectivity, realizing that I do feel sad now, I do feel worried now, I do feel um, a little out of my depth now. And I've become, you know, a little better at asking for help. <laughs> we, we generally, definitely males are, are not that good at asking for help and support. We tend to think, and we've probably been brought up to think that, um, you know, cowboys don't cry, so just get on with it. Um, but it's such an important part to feel vulnerable. Uh, it's a very creative process to explain to or share with someone else that you actually do feel a bit vulnerable about whatever it might be. Uh, and it's very therapeutic. It does definitely uh, improve one's cellular function. So that's my own personal journey, uh, which involves many different things. I, I try to do different, um, use different techniques to do it. I like exercising because I feel that gives my physical body um, some ability to to withstand the the pressures from the outside world, whether they are um, you know real or imagined, whichever it is. Uh, I like uh, hobbies. I think hobbies I believe are, are creative. I like cooking. Uh, I love um, strange as it might sound, emergency medicine. So I'm a volunteer in as a paramedic. I, I work a lot uh, in emergency medicine. Uh, so I, I cover a bunch of bases that work for me. And then, of course, my uh, other life, which is my day-to-day, my, -day, my job, my, uh, what I do, how I empower other people. That's an ongoing learning process to, to use these techniques and the new information that's coming out about, uh, for example, the power of meaning in one's life, meaning and purpose. There's such a lot of work now, which up until very recently, I wasn't so uh, au fait with. I wasn't so knowledgeable on the importance of having meaning and purpose in your life and how that alone can translate into improved cognitive ability, improved cellular function. And there's so much information. It's not 
um, it's not just theory, it's scientifically proven. So now I'm constantly on this journey to see how can I encourage people to find this meaning, whatever it is for them, you know, and, and to then embrace it and use it to their own personal ability. So I almost have two types of creative process going on in my life at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is what I think it's important for people to recognize and create almost, I don't know, I'm going to say boundary. I don't know if that's the right thing, but to kind of separate where, okay, this is my personal life. And this is something I honestly have been working on. It's like, this is my personal, this is for me, Hollis. This is for me. <laughs> and to, in order to feel more expressive that I do these things that I meditate, that I'm taking more time to actually meditate, that I am journaling, that I'm going for walks, that I am creating connection with people that I want to connect with that uplift me, that um, challenge me, all of these things, whether it's in person, whether it's calling them on the phone, that I am taking more family time, that I am, uh, that I am dancing, that I'm doing these things for expression. And then there's the side within what I do from work, um, which I love that I'm passionate about that is constantly problem solving and, and learning, like you're saying, um, to be the best version of myself that I can be, to be able to show up for others and all of these things that I do within these other aspects. But I just think it's so important. We so often, I can say, especially in the States, it's go, 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 go fast, 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 that we don't take that time for ourselves and yes. if we don't take that time for ourselves, that's where all of the sickness, that's where all of the ickiness kind of comes in. Yes, absolutely. And the, the very sad thing is that we feel guilty if we take that time. We've yes. almost been kind of conditioned to say that if, if you're not go-go-going all the time, you're not producing and you're not productive and you're not doing this and organizing that, that actually you're lazy or you... Um, you know, you're not, uh, you, what's the word I'm looking for? You're rel relinquishing your responsibilities. And okay. so we tend to feel bad, you know, and we look at our neighbor across the way and they are go, 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 and they're achieving this and they're doing that. And we think, oh gosh, maybe I'm, I'm the one that's wrong here, you know? And, um, so we have, we, we don't really live an authentic life. We live the life that we think everybody else out there should see. Um, and that portrays this kind of image of someone being totally in control, perfectly made up, beautifully dressed, you know, right. absolutely immaculate all the time. And that's the way we're supposed to be when, when nothing really could be further from the truth. Right, right, exactly. And it's just being authentic. It's understanding yourself. It's just, it's more connection. Because if you don't understand yourself, then who the hell are you going to understand? Absolutely. Like you really, uh, yeah, go ahead. I would add to that, that sometimes you don't know that you don't understand yourself because you've been so programmed with these belief systems, which could come from, you know, birth or even before uh, that you're not good enough and you have to work hard and life is tough and etc. And so you grow up with these belief systems when in fact, you know, oftentimes, and you don't even know that you are not being your authentic self. You suppress it. You, 
And so yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it needs someone to tease that out of you to help you to see the 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 other side, you know, the um, the reflection <laughs> of that. It's so true. It's funny. I just have to say um, our daughter is in she's in Thailand right now, but she's in Bali first for three weeks and now in Thailand. Uh, she just got there. And at one point when we were kind of just texting back and forth, she said, I just woke up. I have to put in the order for breakfast because nothing moves very fast here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know exactly what that meant, if that meant like an hour later or two hours later. But um, culturally, you know, you just, it's just, she's slowing down <laughs> yeah. away from New Jersey. And yeah, yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. It's so important to get outside of your bubble um, and to expand and to see. And like you said, it's so true. We often don't know all of this because we have stories and we maybe weren't taught to know. Yes, absolutely. Um, And you know, what is so fascinating also is you you may have heard of something called neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. Neuroplasticity is the ability to teach our old brain cells new things so we can learn new behavior patterns so the old tape that keeps playing uh, can actually be changed the proverbial uh, saying that you can't teach an old dog new tricks is actually not correct you can teach an old dog new tricks however what is only more recently been figured out is that the brain can actually make new cells, brand spanking new cells. And there's no time limit on that unless there's been a traumatic brain injury or a death of a particular part of the brain, say with a stroke or something. I'm not referring to that. But no matter what age you are, you can develop, uh, you can incorporate what's called neurogenesis. So you can make new Uh, neurological connections in the brain, brand new, which means you can then develop new behavior patterns uh, and new programming at any age. So, so many, I have patients that come in, they say, I'm too old to learn this or do that, which is absolutely not the case. Mm. So it's, it's fascinating that even if people are in a particular state of uh, dis-ease, what I call dis-ease, maybe even disease, they tend to think, well, that's my lot, you know, that's, uh, I just have to hope that one day it'll get better or it will go away. And I'm very firm in saying that, you know, if you just rely on hope, um, you're, you're in serious trouble. Hope uh, didn't get anybody anywhere. So you have to create, and we use that word again, create the state that facilitates this ability of your body to now develop these new cells, develop new behavior patterns uh, and start firing in a different way. Uh, So there's many, you know, geriatrics in their eighties, nineties, and even beyond that still live a very productive life. They still have great cognition and they still have the great ability to communicate and provide and uh, contribute. Uh, and others are almost like vegetables that, uh, that sit there and they have completely shut down 
their neurological ability to, to generate these new cells. And that is so, so sad because it's completely uh, the wrong thing to do and it's completely reversible. Hmm. I'm just like taking that all in. That's the beauty of what you do. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for what you do because it's giving people, it's just enhancing their lives. It's, it's, I think what you said about hope is so important. You can't just sit there and be hopeful. You're actually responsible for creating a state. You're taking action. Yes. I think you've hit the nail right on the head. As they say, that's the situation. Nothing will happen if you, if you don't make some attempt to make it happen. And when I talk to my clients and then my coaching clients oversee internationally and, and both in my one-on-one -on -one practice, I talk about three particular components that are involved in any process of, of generating this more in, uh, overall encompassing mindset. Number one, you have to be inspired. You have to get some kind of feeling that you want to change something. If that process doesn't exist right at the get-go, nothing is going to happen. So you develop the inspiration. Yes, okay, I can get some new brain cells going. What do I need to do? Now you have to get the belief in yourself that you have the ability to do that. And as we've mentioned earlier, some people have their belief in themselves so suppressed and so downtrodden over decades and decades that they just have no sense of self-worth, sense of self-esteem, uh, that they can actually achieve what, whatever it is that they want to achieve. So we create that state of generating and building belief. And even with the inspiration and the belief, if you then do nothing about it and there's no action, which is the third component, mm -hmm. then still nothing happens. It's like the old saying, you know, everybody often says knowledge is power. Well, I say that's bulldust. If you... If you don't, if you have the knowledge, but you do nothing with the knowledge, it's still useless to you. Mm. So it's, it's not that knowledge is power. It's what you do with the knowledge that is so powerful. Did you say bulldust? Yes. Oh, is that not a, a word? That... I love that. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> Please forgive me with my South Africanisms. Um... What do you know? That's the beauty of it. I love I love how we say things in different ways. So I think it's beautiful. Thank you. Pleasure. I just had to ask. I was like, wait a minute. Never heard that before. So let me ask them. So I've been asking people this and I'd love to hear what people say. Do you have any kind of a morning routine in place for you? Um, yes, I do. Um, it's not a particularly involved routine, but every morning uh, I do my my affirmation so i'll literally get up and uh, i'll have my shower and um get ready and before i actually even get dressed i'll sit on my little chair and i'll do my affirmation which gives thanks for um what i have it taps into gratefulness and gratitude I, i'm a great believer in you know acknowledging the the beauty that that I do have and have been blessed to have in my life. I give uh, grateful thanks for my gorgeous partner and for 
the, the home that we have uh, for my children and my grandchildren um, and for the, the health, wealth, happiness and success and prosperity that I've been blessed with over all these years. And it doesn't take long. It takes me maybe, maybe three or four minutes uh, maximum. Uh, but I honestly connect, I try to connect with that. Um, I'm a great believer in quantum physics, which, which basically means that you can send out into the, uh, into the atmosphere a, a conscious thought. And once that thought is put out there, it will change vibrational frequencies and it can actually attract so I often say to my clients and patients, what you radiate, you attract. And if you're radiating gratefulness and um, uh, thankfulness for everything and, and you have some humility, that's what will come back to you, you know, in many different ways. So that's my little routine um, that I have. And then, you know, I try through the course of a day to spend a little bit of time again with these creative processes, listening to something, reading something, uh, following somebody that I believe has a, uh, some kind of an angle on how to improve uh, internal function. That, that's my big thing is get the cells on the inside functioning properly. So the brain cells need it in a slightly different way from the uh, digestive system cells uh, and the muscle cells need it in a slightly different way. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out what's the best way to get the body to function uh, at 100% optimum function. And I refer to that as functional wellness. Hmm. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think it's important to hear the variety and understand that it does not have to be um, two hours of a of, you know, when people talk about a morning routine for some people, that is, and that's wonderful. It works for them. Uh, but it can be, like you said, uh, before you get dressed, sitting down for three to four minutes and saying your affirmations and reflecting on your gratitude or speaking your gratitude and starting in that vibration, which, as you yeah. said, with the quantum physics, it's, it, it sends it out. So it's a vibration that um, goes out into the world and, and all of that bringing whether it's just spreading it out for the goodness of others or, you know, how, what you think you attract and all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's beautiful. So thank you. Oh, pleasure. Thank you so much. I think it's, it's such a, a, because we live such busy lives, we often tend to forget uh, to acknowledge great gratitude, you know, and how, how much we do have. And we, we great to blame everybody else for everything. And, uh, and we don't just realize how we really should appreciate what we do have more and what a healing uh, component that actually is to our bodies, you know. They're putting it within that, um, putting it within that context and especially in the understanding of wellness. Yes, yes, it's that healing component. Yeah. Making you feel good. Like, oh my gosh. So before... What were you going to say before I say the next thing? Um, what I would like to say is that all of this is great. I mean, it's all, everybody, I, I don't think there are many people that wouldn't identify with at least 80% of what we've discussed. However, there are not many people that put it into action, mm. that actually say, you know what? Yes, that's true. But how am I going to change my life now? Um, you know, that 
classic definition of insanity, which is comes from Einstein, is doing the same thing over and over and hoping for a different result. Right, right. And um, one has to have a strategy. This will not happen just by chance. Um, success happens by choice, not by chance. And so I um, often say, come folk, let's now build a strategy around those three areas, the physical body, the biochemical body, and the psycho-emotional body. And let's put a strategy in place to empower your cells and your body to function at their optimum and really make you feel fantastic. And I love my little mantra is happy, healthy, and terrific. Mm. So that's my ideal for all my patients, getting them feeling happy, healthy, and terrific all the time. Thank you for saying that. And yes, it went back to the three things that you said when you work with your clients, inspired belief in action. Yes. 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 You could sit around and just collect information and collect this and follow this person. And But if you're not actually doing anything, what's the point? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, before we move on to the last question, I kind of want to like, ask you just about the paramedic aspect that that's yes. something that you that you do for yourself because it's something you really enjoy. I just love that you, God, I mean, what a gift. You knew when you were a kid what you wanted to do. Yeah. And it's been a journey and it's changed, but the purpose has always been there to be able to help people. So why, why do you in all of this that you do, why a paramedic? Well, as um, you'll recall me saying that for all those years, I actually wanted to be a medical doctor. I, um, I did identify with a component of illness uh, because there are a lot of sick people out there, that's for sure. Whether they are sick as a result of trauma or sick with a disease of some kind, they also need help and support. And, um, and in this country, in South Africa here, we have a a massive population of people that um, are not working. We have a large unemployment and it has been like that for, for a long time. Um, we have a lot of underprivileged folk that um, don't have access to, you know, really good medical care. And our services are overstretched and under supported and under financed. And so um, I, Oh, it's probably 50, 17 years ago now, I guess, I actually had a paramedic that came in as a patient. And uh, in the old days, going back now, when I was talking about in the 1970s, when I was studying, mm -hmm. there was no, in this country, there was no specific qualification as a paramedic. You, were, you had done first aid and you drove the ambulance. And you would be able to do the very, very basics of, you know, stopping some bleeding and, um, you know, helping people to get to hospital. But gradually, obviously, as everything um, became more scientific and uh, there was more training available, the paramedic qualification became far more advanced uh, to the point now where paramedics do the most amazing life-saving things on the road, literally what we call in the field. And uh, this paramedic came in and he started to tell me, I didn't know about that training at that point. I'd been, I was now a chiropractor. I was involved in my practice, loving every minute of it. And he came in and, and it kind of, it was this flashback to medicine. And um, I didn't really want to be what we call in this country, a, a general practitioner, of, you know, treating colds and flus and, 
you know, tummy aches and that kind of thing. Uh, uh, so he told me about emergency medicine and what paramedics do and how they save lives and what, uh, you know, the advancement. And I said, that's it. I said, that, that's it. I want to study that. So I went and did another qualification uh, as, as a paramedic. Um, and now I'm blessed to be able to, to volunteer doing that. I don't get paid any money for it. Um, and, you know, I spend quite a bit of time. I've invested a lot of money in all the equipment in the back of my car. Literally, as I drive around, I'm equipped to stop at any uh, emergency event, an accident or whatever it might be and, uh, and render, you know, paramedic services and often life-saving um, interventions. So it's a great reward. I love it. How beautiful is that? I mean, you're, you're there for people. You truly, from your heart, want to be there to help people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Thank you for all you do. I just have to say thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Oh, my gosh. So gorgeous. Okay. So the third and final question as we wrap it up and kind of put a nice little bow on it is why do you think creativity is important well you know after all we've been talking about now creativity probably underpins absolutely every single thing that we do in every single waking moment and it's that ability to find a process that will facilitate the, each and every individual to express themselves at the highest possible vibration that they can express. So we, we're designed to, to really flourish when we are operating at our highest purpose, at what makes us innately feel uh, as though we've, we've really doing the right thing not only for ourselves, but for the broader good of mankind. People, many people don't kind of connect those dots, I don't think, but there's no question that the people that do that, that have achieved that kind of level, are happier, healthier, and more terrific on multiple levels. They live longer, they have better cognitive function, they have better um, levels of health and well-being. And so if one can embrace this process of creativity and realize that there are many different kinds of creativity, you know, there's the, we've talked about the physical body and how to become creative with improving your physical body, with your biochemical body, your uh, psycho-emotional body and the things to do. For, for example, meditation doesn't suit everybody. That creative process might not work for everybody. That, again, this biochemical individuality. So it's about finding out what does work for you and finding, you know, the opportunities to do things that create the production of these new brain cells. And it can only happen through creativity. And I'm not talking about painting or singing or um, playing the guitar or, you know, any of those kind of creative processes. It could be those, it could be many of those different things and probably should incorporate some of those things. But that's not the only thing. It has to incorporate every type of system within your body has to be encouraged to function optimally using all these different creative processes. Mm. Huh. Yes. 
<laughs> I just have to say, this is why, this is why we're having these conversations. Because thank you for just completely validating and reinforcing my mission. Creativity uh, goes beyond a pencil and a paintbrush. Absolutely. Creativity is everything. Like you said, creativity underpins everything we do in every single waking moment. I mean, oh my gosh. It's not something, like I say in my opening, it's not something that's cute. Like, oh, yep. that's so cute that you're doing that. It is necessary. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, and the, the statistics bear it out. This is not just you or I having a nice friendly little chat. Yeah. The statistics bear out that those people that actually do that, that put that into practice um, are the healthiest. Yeah. As I say, they live the longest, they've got the best brain function, they have less Alzheimer's and dementia and, and less challenges um, on any level. And that's proven. I mean, that's um, the longevity research and science and the neuroscientists have proven that for us, you know. So this is not just a, a whimsical thing that we're talking about. No, it's not. It's not. So it's so validating and it's so wonderful to hear your perspective from a doctor, from someone who has been practicing in these ways for so long on how, and that was really interesting to me about um, creating new brain cells. Uh, it's just, it's just embracing life. And um, I've really appreciated and I'm grateful for you being in the space for taking this, this time and this hour to chat. So thank you, Dr. Linton. Well, thank you so much, Hollis, for your time. I mean, people often don't appreciate the effort and time and investment um, that goes into doing these kind of things, you know, and uh, just big hats off to you for for doing it and, and taking the time and investing your time and out of your family time and to to share this message, you know, and hope that it lands with with a lot of people and they can say, yes, I, I, I want to do that. You know, I want to get feel healthier and happier and more terrific. So well done to you. Thank you so much for inviting Thank me. You. Thank you. Thank you. And can you please tell people how they can connect with you? Yes. Thank you so much. Um, so I, in my kind of uh, chiropractic world, if you like, um, my email address is klenton, N-T-I-N, one word, klenton, at iafrica, that's the letter I, africa.com. Uh, that's a, a direct email to me. Um, my chiropractic website is Dr. Kevin Lenton. That's just D-R, Kevin, K-E-V-I-N-L-E-N-T-I-N, dot C-O, dot Z-A. And then if I might just take the time to mention the majority of um, patients and clients that I consult with are female. That's just been the way that it is over all these years. And within that group, the most predominant number of people are moms, actually. They uh, you know, have kids anywhere between the ages of very young to you know, teen late teenagers. And so I've created 
a, a nice, compact online uh, program that moms can identify with to help them put these creative processes for the physical body, the biochemical body, and the psycho-emotional body into practice. Very basic. It's not going into any real depth. However, it is the building blocks. It does provide the building blocks, I should say, to start this, this creative process. And if anybody would be interested, the way to access that information is www.academy, A-C-A-D-E-M-Y, academy.kevinlenton.com. So it's just a web address, academy.kevinlenton.com. And all the information is there if anybody would... They can connect with me through there as well. And I'm more than happy to chat to anyone. I do have a Calendly link uh, that I could share with you later if you um, wanted to include it, yeah. if anybody wanted to have a chat. Um, you know, just um, no obligation, no cost chat about whether there's a fit between us and if they like the kind of information. Wonderful. So all this stuff will be put in the bio of the podcast. And um, so much, so much to offer. So before we say our goodbyes, is there anything else that's on your mind that you feel like you just want to say as a last word or do you feel like you said it all? No, yeah, well, I could go on as you've probably noticed (laughs) (laughs) for hours. But I would like to leave anyone that is interested in listening with a, a very simple yet powerful technique that I have introduced for many, many patients that has had absolutely great results. Hmm. The technique is called, it's just a thing technique. So whenever anything happens to us of any kind, whether it's a, a trauma, whether it's a, some, something somebody says that we feel we've been affronted or we've been criticized or accused or whatever it is, the actual thing itself, what I refer to as the stimulus, that's the, the trigger, if you like, is nothing until we apply an emotion to it. Mm. We, we become cross or we become angry or frustrated or irritated. Once that happens, which could be an almost instantaneous process, we upregulate your stress response, your body's stress response system. And that leads to anxiety, gut issues, um, fear, worry, all of those sort of things. So the it's just a thing technique. If you can stop everything at it's just a thing. So a little simple example, you're driving down the road and you bump your car against um, the, a wall on the way or a tree. The typical things, oh my gosh, why did I drive down there? Why did I not leave a minute later or earlier? Why did this happen? Now I've got to do this. Now you've upregulated that stress response. You've created a physiological change in your body. And bearing in mind that these are happening every millisecond of the day. You get irritated by the traffic. You get irritated by something somebody says at work. You get irritated by a response to a, a social media post. They're constantly happening to us. So this poor old stress response system of ours is under 24-7 trauma. However, if you can stop it all at it's just a thing. Yes, you're going to have to deal with your car. You're going to have to call the insurance company, to call the tow truck, call whatever you've got to do. You've got to get a higher car. Whatever you've got to do, you're still going to have to do that. 
But if you can shut off the uh, emotional connection to the thing, it makes it so much easier to handle and puts life into so much more perspective. Oh my gosh. So simple and so powerful. Yes. Do you have any kind of, is there any kind of breath work or anything that goes with that? Or is it just simply the thought process of like, well, if I'm in the, gonna... moment, in the moment that the thing happens, you, there isn't time for breath work. Yes. Afterwards, you know, if you've bumped your car, there is some adrenaline that's released and, you know, you feel that anxiety, then, you know, going through the breathing patterns and the, you know, just closing your eyes and the visualizing that you're okay. That takes, um, afterwards, after the event, whether it's, you know, five minutes after, or maybe even a half an hour after that's fine. But in that very moment, yeah. the, right at the acute occurrence of the thing whatever somebody says to you and you you feel so hurt and so uh, betrayed by that comment or whatever it might be that's when you haven't got time at that moment to start breathing you just say it's just a thing yeah. it's their problem they're saying that because of x y and z in their mind yeah. that's yeah. their programming it's got nothing to do with me i can perceive it in whichever way i want and if i say it's just a thing then there's actually no need for breath work because you don't get your stress response upregulated to begin with. You're so right. Thank you. Thank you for that. I can see how I will start applying that immediately. Good. Wonderful. Uh, immediately. So we're going to say our goodbyes. So again, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kevin. And Thank you to all of those who have been here with us live and thank you to those catching the replay. We know that you could be doing anything with your hour and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend it with us. The space is all about inspiring each other, sharing stories and connection. I believe we've always needed this, but I think we need it now more than ever, more than ever. So please like, follow, share all of that good stuff. So we Wonderful. can just share thank this you once again, expansion really and expression and we can just share 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 because we need to uplift each other so wherever you are listening in the world we wish you a good morning a good afternoon a good evening and we'll be talking to you again soon so goodbye everybody feeling inspired let's just get rid of this throw away this whole perfectionism thing this whole concept that we have to know how to do everything you know what you don't <laughs> let's just do things and try things and realize what we like and what we don't like. It's all part of the process. The self-awareness feels so good. You feel more connection to yourself, connection to others, and huh, be a happier, more joyful person. Just imagine that. So you are where you are in the process. So you can dip your toe in the water to try new things at a slower pace, or you can dive right in. Here at I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, we meet you where you are. So there are so many ways to check us out. Explore our experiential kits. They have everything in them that you need to try new things. You don't have to buy anything else but this kit and just explore. There's Creative Shui, which is seven elements to join happiness. Through the Publishing House, Express Yourself Publishing, multi-author books, copy books, solo book opportunities. It is all about expression, all about it. And it's, again, just trying these things and realizing what you're good at. Don't all of a sudden think that you only fit into one box because we don't. 
we are not made for boxes. <laughs> there is also my TV show, I Am Creative. Check it out. The links are all in the body of this podcast. You can just click the link. And you know what? Don't say, oh, maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. Life's too short. Just click it. See what it's about. There is honestly no judgment. It's all about exploring the possibilities, expressing yourself, and expanding your thinking. I will give you the website, which is IamCreativePhilly.com. So I am creative Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And just remember that you are an expressive being, so own it. I am looking forward to hearing your story because we all have one.